Welcome to Profit First Nation, the official podcast for entrepreneurs who are operating their businesses in the zone of permanent profitability. I'm Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First, and now here's your Profit First Nation guide, Daniel Mulvey. Welcome to Profit First Nation, the podcast for the top 17% of entrepreneurs with cash in the bank to correlate to their profitability. Profit First Nation is the podcast for intelligent entrepreneurs who have taken ownership of their financials and leveraged Profit First as a cash management system to make their businesses permanently profitable. I am Danielle Mulvey, an expert at guiding entrepreneurs on owning their financials in as little as 11 minutes per day and doing Profit First right. If you are a fan of Profit First and its author, Mike Michalowicz, you have found your tribe. We are a nation of successful entrepreneurs driven to be permanently profitable with a grit and a growth mindset that lets no obstacle stand in our way in pursuit of the three P's, passion, profit, and play. On Profit First Nation, we dive into advanced Profit First strategies, and we share the honest and authentic ups and downs of being a business owner. On today's episode, I am delighted to welcome Michelle Campbell. She is the principal of Wealth Strategies Financial Group, and she is also a member of BNI and has actually a BNI franchise and a lot of great things going on. And she is here to share her Profit First journey and um, some ups and down stories of being an entrepreneur as well. Welcome to Profit First Nation, Michelle. Thank you for having me, Danielle. I'm very excited to be here today. So tell us a little bit first, how did you hear about Profit First? So it actually started several years ago. I was at a BNI uh, conference and a good friend of mine, Megan Chitwood, actually shared with me a book by Mike Michalowicz called The Pumpkin Plan. And after reading that, I really enjoyed it and then started looking at some of his other books. And there's actually a pretty good group of us that are profit first fans that are executive directors, which is also known as franchise owners for um, BNI regions all around the US. Awesome. And so after you read profit first, how long did it take you to open up your bank accounts? So I will be honest, it did take a little bit of time because my husband is a high school social studies teacher. And he is very much um, you know, kind of keeping things simple when it comes to accounting and bookkeeping. And so I actually had to work with my accountant to explain a little bit to Jeff that by us opening up multiple bank accounts um, actually made sense. And even having multiple credit cards for the different companies that we own separate from our personal accounts made sense. And Initially, Jeff struggled with that a little bit, but eventually he bought into it and um, is pretty happy, I think, considering that uh, he still lets me manage all the finances. <laughs> awesome. And so tell us about which business you implemented Profit First in initially. Sure. Um, so I started off as a financial advisor um, back in October of 2000, and I actually, you know, my focus was around helping my clients plan for their retirement. Um, and so early on with that one particular, I would take monies out of there and always set 10% aside as well as we did the same thing with, um, Jeff's, you know, salary as a teacher, we always put money aside, 
um, and we purchased years for him. So right from the very beginning, back in October of 2000, we always set aside a certain percentage of our income and put it to you know one bank account that we call our savings account, and then the rest was basically our checking was our more more operating. We didn't know necessarily that we were implementing profit first in that manner, um, but that was just how I was raised as a child by my mom and dad. And then also, of course, uh, it's what I was recommending to my clients to do as a financial advisor was making sure that they put money in their 401k and they received that match if they had that available through their company. So as an advisor, we were always teaching people to you know, pay yourself first. So of course, it makes sense as a business owner, you should pay yourself first, which is the profit piece. And then of course, um, when you take a look at the you know, financial planning, it would be really weird if I was telling my clients to do something, but I wasn't doing that myself. Exactly. And then you implemented it when you um, became an executive director. Tell us how that went and the impact in that new business that you started. Yeah, so absolutely. When um, As a financial advisor, I quickly became part of a BNI chapter, um, which is Business Network International. And I became a director consultant on the Michigan team. And eventually, I was able to purchase the Alaska franchise. So the craziest thing was I bought a business, a franchise, um, in a state I had never been to. That was at least an eight-hour airtime away from my house. So most of my friends and family member and I think Jeff even a little bit all thought I was kind of crazy. But I knew buying a franchise, you know, I was basically buying a system. So I wasn't too scared of that investment. And what I did from day one with that franchise, um, we never had a loss, even in the first year, which is crazy for most small businesses. But essentially, I knew that income was coming in and I put money aside every time. It wasn't as much as I would have liked the first couple of years, but I did put money aside. That way, if we had a down month or if we had any needs, I was able to reinvest that. Now, fortunately for me, that first couple of years, I didn't have to take an owner's draw um, because I still was a financial advisor and you know Jeff had a stable income as well. But from day one with BNI Alaska, I set it up that um, we always put money aside and then I paid my you know people and my expenses. And then um, I was not taking an owner's draw initially, but now, of course, 10 years later, I am. So that's kind of nice. But, um, you know, when I set money aside and I'll, you know, share one example, um, I traveled to Alaska. So every other month I went to Alaska from Michigan for a week at a time. Those are some pretty big expenses that a lot of my fellow executive directors did not have. You know, they didn't have to pay for airfare. They didn't have to pay to stay in a hotel for a week and those kind of things, but I did. And so there were some of the times where looking at expenses and figuring out where I could cut things, um, I needed a new computer. And what I did is I actually purchased a laptop and then I cut out one of the month's trips going up to Alaska. But in the meantime, by buying that laptop, I actually held a bunch more um, one-to-ones with my members, did some individual coaching all through back then it was go-to meeting instead of Zoom, but now I'm doing them via Zoom. Um, and so it was able, I was always able to make sure I was hitting profit, then looking at what expenses. And then now, of course, I have it set up where I can also you know, worry about taking an owner's draw and paying myself too. So that's kind of nice. Well, I, I mean, kudos to you for recognizing, okay, I've got this much in terms of OPEX to spend 
and I need a new laptop, that means that something's got to give. So you axed one trip and that's that's exactly what you have to do. You have it's Parkinson's law. It's it's working with what you have within the time constraints or the money constraints that you have. So that is outstanding. Have you added any additional accounts um, or do you just use the basic profit first accounts? So I use um, I use the income. I use the profit. We now use the owner's compensation. Of course, taxes. We always have to have taxes. Um, and then operating expenses. I do separate out um, one other one for that particular business. Um, we call it, I call it the launch account. Um, basically, what it means is as folks want to be participate in BNI, especially, you know, financial advisors, insurance, real estate, mortgage brokers, like they're usually, their competition is in the chapter. So the only way for them to be in a BNI chapter is usually they have to start their own. So that we call that chapter launching. So I do have a separate account that is set aside for chapter launch because people, when they decide that they want to help launch a chapter, we do have some folks that back out midway between and we have to give them their money back because they were never fully a BNI member. And mm. so I put money aside there. I never move money from that launch account to any of the other um, five until after the chapter has officially chartered and they moved forward um, because that's when I do have to pay my royalties and um, stuff to BNI as well as my you know director team and so forth. So I do have that one, but and that's pretty unique, I would say, for um, our executive for BNI specifically. Um, when it came to my financial planning practice, I also had a separate account um, for the like I would I kind of called it like business and waiting, <laughs> meaning some of the times I might get paid compensation ahead of time. But if a client did what we call a you know free look, like let's say they bought a life insurance policy and 10 days later they're like, you know what, I don't want to have a million dollars coverage. I want to only have 750. Like I would put that commission aside until I knew it officially cleared 100%. So those were the two kind of extras based off of the industry specifics that I added in my own you know, systems. That is really smart. You know, if the money isn't fully yours yet and you're sort of holding it, having some sort of hold account, um, whether you're taking deposits or you're taking prepayments on items and such is good because you really need to make sure that this is for the listeners. Um, you really need to make sure that that the money coming in, you're using what that money is coming in for. I know I've seen other businesses that, you know, when when you when you get paid by a client and you use it to pay expenses on another project, that's sort of robbing Peter to pay Paul. And so it's really important that you keep everything sort of compartmentalized in terms of the revenue coming in and that money going towards the expenses specific to why that revenue is coming in, et cetera. So that that's really important and actually something we haven't necessarily touched yet. Um, over 50 episodes into the podcast. So thanks for bringing that up, Michelle. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a big one. You know, I've seen I've seen some of my colleagues spend money before it was kind of officially, I would consider it theirs. I also have seen, you know, some of my clients as financial advisors, sometimes they like think that they're going to get these, you know, I have a client that's a real estate agent every once in a while, like they would spend more than what they really should because they're counting on this house closing or they're counting on something happening. And it was like, 
if that deal falls through, now what are you going to do? You know, it reminds me, um, my husband is a, a teacher and he, he wrestled in college and I'll never forget one of his teammates came running in to the dorm one day holding a credit card and he was like, oh my goodness, someone just gave me $500. And we're like, no, 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 nope, they didn't. Like you, you need to pay that back. You have a 500 limit. They didn't give you $500. You have to pay that money back. And so that's one thing that's always, you know, stuck in my mind was watching him come in running. And I was like, never would you, would I pre-spend money that I didn't have. Yeah. But it's, I would say that the majority of entrepreneurs, small business owners do fall into that habit. And it just, it, it, it starts to uh, snowball and it starts to get away. And I have seen some pretty hefty cases, especially in like the building industry or construction, um, when you're talking major dollars, when, you know, you, you think, oh, I'll just do it this once, but then it just becomes this pattern and you start to like lose reality because you've you've started to spend money that you shouldn't have been spending on someone else's project. So um, great point there. Now, we met and we talked and, and had a great conversation. So I was like, oh, my gosh, I need to have you on the podcast. And you were telling me about um, your partnership arrangement in your financial management group, uh, wealth management group. Can you uh, share that with the audience here? So give us the backstory and, and what went on amongst you and your partners. Absolutely. So um, I started off with a Fortune 500 firm, um, had a great experience. I was actually, uh, I became a manager. Um, I worked with other financial advisors. And then um, just before Jeff and I decided to start our family, I decided to go from the leadership role back into more private practice and focus on my private practice instead of um, just a small practice and focusing on advisors. So when that happened, um, two of the advisors that I had coached through their career, and we'd been working together for about five years at that point, uh, the three of us decided to leave our big firm and start our own. And so we went to an independent firm, started our own financial planning practice. And initially, you know, I was designed, my role was really going to be about being the rainmaker, being out, doing the marketing, doing seminars, doing all of that kind of stuff. Um, the other gal, she was kind of more of the client service person, and she was going to do a lot of the back end office and accounting and some of the things that I quite frankly don't enjoy per se. I can do it, but I don't enjoy it always. Um, and then our other partner, um, he was going to be the one that kind of did a, a lot more of the planning for the clients, reading all the prospectuses, coaching us through, like doing some of the product implementation and so forth. And so Going into it, I knew I would generate more of the income, but ultimately I was having, I was getting to work in my flame and letting them work in theirs. And so um, we used to have partner meetings, the three of us, and we were split a third, a third, a third. And there was a point in time where we would sit down and we'd all take a look at our checking account and we'd say, okay, we're going to pay the rent. So, you know, we'd vote to approve the rent pay, the copy machine pay, the, you know, we would take an owner's draw at that time. Um, and decide what amount we could take for an owner's draw. And what happened is Travis and I both um, was trusting the other gal to do everything. Well, come to find out, because we had left um, our big firm and we were brand new, I had to co-sign when we first leased our copy machine. 
So about six, this was a couple, this was about two ish years into us being on our own. Um, I get a FedEx certified or FedEx level letter delivered to my house saying that our archive machine hadn't been paid and that we were in default. So I ended up calling and they explained to me what happened. I was like, this can't be possible. Like this has to be an error. Well, come to find out the gal who was essentially in charge of our checking account, even though Travis and I met with her every single week and we did our partners meeting and we approved the bills, what she would do is she would go back, even though we wrote out the checks together in the conference room, she would go back and never mail out those checks and she would take that same amount and pay herself. So um, we ended up catching her. Like I said, it took about six months of her doing this and she put us about 50 grand in debt between all the things she didn't pay, including are part of IRS payments and those kind of things. And so the one thing I will say, like, you know, we were trustworthy um, in essentially when it boiled down to her, her and her husband already lined up, I've had everything lined up that as soon as they got caught, they declared bankruptcy. So then Travis and I hired a lawyer and he said, basically, you're going to spend more money and get nothing out of it. So you're better off just paying back the debts and, you know, chalking it up to a huge lesson learned. Um, I don't know that other than us sitting down and making sure every single check cleared that anything would have came out differently because it was, you know, something that like the, the numbers sort of added up because she was taking those checks and taking that amount, essentially ripping them up and then making that same withdrawal and paying herself. So um, that was a little frustrating and, you know, happy to say we ended up paying everybody back. And like I shared with you, uh, the good news was she never did anything. She never stole any of our clients' money. So for Travis and I, we were able, we didn't have to, you know, declare anything on our end because it was never, she stole from us, not from our clients. So it was a blessing in disguise in that way. Um, But eventually like that led to, you know, me kind of going off on my own, never really <laughs> trusting um, another partner. I think at some day I probably will, but um, initially right now I've probably been a little bit more skeptical of any partnerships at, at this point in time, or at least if I am, I, I know what I'm looking for. So, um, you know, that would be one thing is as the owner, even though I didn't love doing QuickBooks and she was much better at that, now where I am, even though I can outsource it, I still truly know where my money is going at all times and where the business money is going at all times. You know, I mean, it, she was she was very savvy um, in terms of the fact that she was like very transparent in writing the checks in front of you guys to Rico, the copy machine company, and our monthly lease payment is, let's say, $450, and she's signing the check in front of you guys. So, I mean, I would say that, you know, on this, I don't I don't know how you could have and why you would have been any suspicious based right. off of that level of transparency and such. And, you know, it partnerships are difficult. And uh, when I was going to start my first business when I was 25... I was going to start it with a partner and my dad who had a partner for um, over 35 years in his business, they were probably at year, I don't know, um, 20 at that time, um, said to me, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. You know, and then when him and his partner, even though they had a buy-sell agreement, I mean, it just, it just, it just gets complicated. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, it, it's, it, it's tough to maneuver and 
but you can do it on your own. So I, I think that you're saying you can do it on your own. I'm saying you can do it on your own. If you are considering starting a business, then try try doing it on your own. Wouldn't you agree, Michelle, to the audience? Yes, absolutely. And then you can outsource the things that you don't love doing. So I would have been better off, and that's what I did in the future, is I was better off outsourcing um, you know, someone to do client service calls just to set up my appointments for me. And even automating. Quite honestly, now I don't even have to have somebody call because I can use you know, things like, um, you know, timetrade.com or calendarly or acuity scheduling, like any of those, like some of the stuff I used to have to have somebody do now I can even automate it. So I think there's a lot you can do as a business owner on your own so that you're still working in your flame and there's stuff you can ax and stuff you can, you know, automate and stuff you can outsource. And, and it's very difficult in terms of the the sharing of the equity in the business, especially when the roles are not necessarily equitable. So mm-hmm. in your case, as the rainmaker, I mean, you know, you you were giving up some of your value by going a third, a third, a third, because they needed you probably more than anything in the business. But, you know, you were only getting a third. So it, it, it gets real tricky, especially you're trying to be fair, but nothing really is fair and equitable. Um, when it all shakes out at the end. So thank you so much for sharing um, your story and your Profit First journey with us. And I just want to point out too, that her financial confidence, I think also comes not only from being a, um, a wealth strategist and wealth manager and financial advisor, but the fact that she has multiple businesses. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes, absolutely. So um, I've always you know, I'm the type of person that I never like being slightly bored. Um, so I always have a lot of things going on. So for, you know, my financial planning practice, yes, starting a practice early on took a ton of time, ton of hours, lots of cold calling, all of that kind of stuff. But then um, very early on within like a month of my career as an advisor, I actually even um, started as a director consultant on the Michigan team. And so that was another source of income that started very early on into my career. And then when we purchased the BNI Alaska franchise, not only was I still a financial advisor, I was also a director consultant on the Michigan team being treated as a you know 1099 income um, and then owning the franchise. And then even now, you know, I've sold off most of my financial planning practice and I'm very selective of which clients I'm, you know, keeping and working with. And I still own the BNI Alaska franchise. And recently, well, it's been about a year now, I took on the head of business development for BNI Global. And so I'm part of the BNI Global uh, support team as well. So I always like having multiple streams. Um, my husband, he, you know, is a teacher, he's a wrestling coach. And then in the summers, he's now him and my son, they have started mowing lawns and doing some stuff together just so that we can get our son and our daughter involved into being entrepreneurs as well. So we like having those multiple streams and um, keeping, you know, track of the profit and that kind of stuff from each of those businesses is always key as well. If people would like to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? So um, definitely shoot me an email. Um, you can either use Michelle at BNI, so that's Business Network International, Alaska.com, or um, you can, you know, feel free to use my calendar. I'll put a on the, my Facebook page, if you look for Michelle Campbell, there's a 
Facebook page that'll come up. You can use the calendar function there, but definitely my email address is the best to use. So again, it's just Michelle with two L, so M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E at BNIAlaska.com. And um, yeah, I'm happy to find anyone if you want a chapter anywhere in the world looking for a BNI chapter. uh, I would be happy to help you with that as well because that's my role as head of business development as I help people, you know, get more referrals, um, have quicker sales and hopefully get an amazing return on their BNI investment. So I'm happy to connect with all the Profit First Nation folks, because uh, again, like you said at the beginning, these are our tribe. So I want to hang out with more of our tribe members. Awesome. And I just want to thank you so much for being so transparent and sharing the ups and downs and the fun stuff of being an entrepreneur. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And for our audience, please know and remember that there are bookkeepers, accountants, and coaches in this world with the heart of a teacher ready to serve you and your business with their certified Profit First knowledge, skills, and experience. Just visit ProfitFirstNation.com and click on connect to connect with one of my fellow certified Profit First professional peeps. Cheers to another profitable day, my entrepreneurial friends. Profit First Nation website, related podcasts, and resources are provided for general information purposes only and do not constitute accounting, legal, tax, accounting, or other professional advice. Visitors should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional.